This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. JC Penny is coming here because of me. You ask anybody, they'll tell you. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. I have to have a quiet when I do my illusions. What's up? Not much. It's, it's a very exciting time. It's that time of year again when we get to talk about movies from our youth. So I'm pretty psyched about that. And uh, this was a first time watch for you, Iron Eagle. It was Iron Eagle. Something else. So uh, before we get into all the details and everything, I just got to ask, what's your favorite Neil Blomkamp film? Chappie! (laughs) Actually, Chappie's probably up there. (laughs) Um, Although I hated it the first time. I I believe I reviewed it on the podcast. Just buried, (laughs) buried it. And then I started listening to D Antwerp stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to give this another shot. It's not too bad. Yeah, I've um, never seen it still. I saw <laughs> District 9, of course, and uh, Elysium. I think that's it. Yeah. Actually, Elysium is probably his best one. What was that one that he did uh, like two years ago? It was like straight to streaming or VOD or whatever. Um Shit, I watched that not that long ago, and it sucked. Um, what is that? Let's see. But of course, he made his triumphant return with Gran Turismo. That's right. A true, a true underdog story, or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Gran Turismo, based on a true story. Which, there's a guy that we work with who, who told me that it's one of his favorite movies of, of recent years, and he's watched it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> i'm in the theater and he's watched it at home a few times now john yeah <laughs> he, he loves that movie uh demonic is that the film demonic yeah that movie sucks <laughs> it's got a 4.3 on imdb what did i rate it on uh letterboxd i gave it one and a half stars yeah after chappy they they pulled the plug on him no more well, big money <laughs> Chappie was like a uh, at least without studio control. Chappie was like a cross between RoboCop and uh, Short Circuit mm-hmm. in South Africa with uh, the Ant Word <laughs> for some reason uh, turning Chappie into a robot gangster number one and uh, Hugh Jackman has a terrible mullet and he's like the uh, the guy who who wants the uh, what, what ED two thousand or whatever it was called. Like he's got his own version of that. Mm. He's trying to sell, but sure, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. <laughs> I thought District Nine was uh, quite overrated. Yeah, most but, people do nowadays. Like I said, Elysium is probably his best movie. But even that's like, eh. you know, I 
I, I haven't seen it in a while. I, I saw Elysium in the theater and never, not since. I'd probably still have to say District 9, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter because <laughs> nobody gives a shit about him anymore. Well, Gran Turismo did make a ton of money. <laughs> the, as Dolly would say, it's a TV movie. It, it didn't make sense because it was like, well, it's first, it's an advertisement for the the video game, obviously, and for yeah. Nissan Motorsports. And, uh, but like the lead actor is just the most annoying person that you've ever met or ever, ever like encountered. Like, you don't want him to succeed, but he does anyways. Right. You know, he's going to because that's the movie. Or wasn't it released damn near same week as on streaming? No, they did like three weeks of preview uh, showings for it. Really? Three weeks? Yeah. Okay. I, I forget why. Like it was supposed to come out earlier than it was and then it got postponed. But then they would, they, they, they were showing like three or four uh, showtimes like every like weekend for the first, like the three weekends before the actual release date. Because mm-hmm. I saw it early. I saw it like two or three weeks before the official release. On the Dolby screen, <laughs> which is the yeah. only way to see it. Yeah, I'm sure you're proud of that. They got a new Dolby uh, Stinger uh, at the uh, AMC now. Oh, really? Does it still the... say? Does it still ask you if you think the projectors? On? <laughs> it does not. What? No. Now they have uh, Jordan Peele, uh, Greta Gerwig, and the guy that directed Top Gun Maverick. Just talking about how, uh, like Joseph Kaczynski love, or something. Yeah, they, how they love working in Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision, and how they they hate seeing their movies in other formats because it's just it pales in comparison, and it's the only way to make movies. What's funny is like they showed scenes from Nope, but which I thought was specifically filmed with IMAX cameras. <laughs> For the IMAX and Jordan Peele's like, oh yeah, I love working in Dolby. It's the only way to go. <laughs> I can't remember what I was watching the other night. It might have been Clerks Three in the beginning. It like it opens with the Dolby Atmos, you know. Thing. I'm thinking, why does this need Dolby Atmos? <laughs> but you gotta get that surround sound on the heart attacks. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's start getting into some Iron Eagle. The lineup we have selected for our movies from our youth uh, include Iron Eagle, Wizard of Oz, Flight of the Navigator, and Toy Story. So be sure to look out for those after the Oscars have come and gone. Because next we're going to do our uh, top 10 of the year episode, followed by a recently seen and Oscars recap. And then we'll get back into the movies from our youth. So that's what's coming up. Yeah, let's get into the details. First thing I noticed when I watched this movie is the Columbia, uh, the TriStar pictures, I should say. This is before yeah. Columbia TriStar. This is just TriStar, you know? Right. 
doesn't get any better than that. I used to love that as a kid. I don't even remember what movies came out via TriStar, but obviously, you know, you know the intro. Yeah, brought back a lot of fond memories. We could on well, we could just go to TriStar Pictures here. It's a member of the Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group. There's a discussion uh, on Twitter today. I was lamenting the fact that I don't have a Iron Eagle Blu-ray box set. Now there are some Spanish imports you can get that are all region for one and three that I saw, but I don't want that cover art with the Spanish words. This is a very American film, and it deserves to have the American cover art. It is very American. I tweeted about that, and uh, I was talking to Stan Switek on there, going back and forth about Iron Eagle. Speaking of which, he uh, he has a YouTube channel that I was not privy to. He edits together a lot of like highlights from different movies that he likes, gameplay, old TV shows. There's a lot of, I was at Morton Downey Sr., that talk show from the 80s. Junior. I think it was Junior. Yeah, Morton Downey Jr. I, I love watching uh, clips from that. Seemed like a really fun show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff on his YouTube page. Let's, let's, um, I just subscribed. I think you can just go to at Stan Switek, which is a character from Miami Vice. That's his Twitter handle, uh, Stan Switek FPS. But on YouTube, it is Stan Switek's Retro Gaming and Cinema. He's got a lot of videos on there. You know, a couple thousand subscribers. Doing well. A lot of cool stuff on there. I was just kind of uh, wet my beak, so to say, earlier today, watching a few videos. Good stuff on there. So looking forward to uh, watching more of that. There's a lot of just seems like full episodes of that Morton Downey Jr. and uh, some other stuff on there. So Zolly was also tweeting about how Sony doesn't release so many of their Blu-rays that they have, like Iron Eagle, Spice World, among others. Mm. But it was announced earlier today that Sony is now going to be handling the physical media for Disney. So that's good. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I don't know. that's what maybe I was hoping. But then Zolly was saying, you know, well, Sony doesn't even release their own shit, you know? <laughs> so many people have to, I guess, if you want to have a special re-release of some film that Disney owns, whether it's Disney or 20th Century, what have you, you probably got to talk to 30 people, go up the ladder, and it probably takes months. Whereas at Sony, they have a more streamlined where it's just, hey, we're going to, we're taking this movie and we're going to put another physical release with it. Let's, they, let's get Song of the South out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a couple where Disney's just like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> but I think Sony could do everything that people want from Disney much cheaper than Disney could do it. They have other things to worry about, like everybody not watching their original shit right now. So uh, it's. I think it would be a good thing, but it does worry me that Sony also doesn't have the best track record with physical releases of their own media. So I don't know, but I think it's, it's, it's gotta be a good thing because Disney sucks. Either they put it in the vault or they just don't give a shit. So many 20th century stuff needs a 4k release now. And it's nothing's happening, you know? Yeah. It's a problem. It is. So hopefully we can iron this out. So to say, get some iron Eagle releases among others. Uh, yeah, I used to watch one through three a lot when I was a kid. I've never seen four. It came out 
four or five years after the third. So it's probably why. But yeah, uh, this was a big movie for me growing up, especially one in three. I saw those two much more than the second Iron Eagle. Yeah, I had, I had not seen any of them until yesterday. That's what saw the first one. Had you heard much about them? Like, you remember them growing up? Like, it was a thing no. when kids would watch? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Probably the only exposure I knew of it is the Family Guy joke where Brian is, uh, they're making fun of Brian for not writing his uh, novels or whatever, and he decides he's going to write a new one about a, a kid whose dad gets shot down behind enemy lines. And he has to fly a mission to go save him. And Lois just starts laughing in his face. That's the plot of Iron Eagle. <laughs> and then uh, then he makes up something else. And she goes, that's plot of Iron Eagle 3. <laughs> but no, I, I, I didn't know this movie at all. And it's I I don't think it would be something that would have appealed to me as a kid, because uh, I wasn't super into like the military shit back then. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think this is one that I would have even been attracted to. Well, didn't you watch Top Gun a lot when you were a kid? No, not really. Really, hmm. not till later. Another tragic tale of wasted youth. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't think this was one that would have been on my radar at all. I and I don't know anybody who 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 was a fan of it or who would talk about it. Mm. Obviously, it came out before I was born, so I don't know. That might be part of it. Okay, well, uh, this film came out in 1986, and I believe right before Top Gun. Let's look at the release here. Now, IMDb says this is rated PG-13, and you were saying that you thought it was rated PG. I thought it was. It does say PG-13 on IMDb. I should go look at the DVD, what it says in the back there. But yeah, there is some very choice language in here. The F-bomb makes at least one appearance. Um, I forget, is the uh, the real F-bomb in here? It's an 80s movie, I forget. I don't think so. Do you so. remember any uh, slurs in here? Uh, Well... Kind of at the beginning at the at the uh the drive-in restaurant, but it wasn't uh I don't think he outright said it. Mm-hmm. He might have called him a pussy or something. Yes, it was released January 17th of 86, so it does predate Top Gun by a few months. And you wouldn't think it, you would think it would, would have been released several years before Top Gun with the differences in the aerial photography. This goes to show how much of a game changer Top Gun yeah. was. The special effects look like child's play mm-hmm. compared to Top Gun. There are some cool shots in here of the jets flying around, but nothing up close like you see in Top Gun. No. And I know and Top like, Gun doesn't have a lot of that either, but they do have a lot of cameras on the plane, like on the wings and whatnot in Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And there's not really much of that here. No. But like you could tell like with all the uh explosions, they hit a lot of miniatures and and stuff like that. And them dropping yeah. the missiles and the bombs and stuff was mm-hmm. it was it was much more cartoony. This movie is very violent. It's not bloody, <laughs> but it's very, very violent. <laughs> there's so much 
and like they kind of imply that the people that are getting shot and bombed like get out of the way at the last second and so there's you know just minor casualties Mm -hmm. as they say at the end but uh (laughs) like the amount of glee that this teenager gets from just bombing foreigners and their (laughs) and their property and, well, this uh, isn't like this isn't Full Metal Jacket, okay? This is get some, get some, okay? This is they are literally shooting at him with anti aircraft and missiles, and like he's he's bombing a military installation. It's not like he's bombing a village. Well, it's well, still like <laughs> like he's 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 reacting as if he's playing a video game, and not. Where's like... your patriotic spirit, Brett? It's it's a <laughs> it's a Muslim dictatorship that's. Uh, overstepping their bounds you know they're just saying i would be more comfortable if it was a grown man who had training (laughs) in military they kidnapped our our boys from international airspace or international waters wherever you want to say if if it was maverick and goose or uh rambo it's it's a little more there's a little rambo too in there (laughs) there's a lot of top gun a little bit of rambo too yeah there's rambo too in here definitely but it's like if, if which has more it, explosions, Iron Eagle or First Blood Part Two? First Blood Part Two, like all the explosions are the, those arrows that he shoots. <laughs> yeah. Say <laughs> so the, the sheer tips. like a third of Iron Eagle's budget has got to be just explosions. There's so fucking many explosions. I'm pretty sure they reused a lot of shots uh, for the explosions too. But yeah, they definitely blew the budget on that and. I gotta imagine they blew the budget on the the soundtrack. Right, great soundtrack. It's a hell of a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I was actually looking at it. and I was laughing to myself because there's a song called "Hide in the Rainbow" by Ronnie James Dio, and I just laughing because he has so many songs about rainbows. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so it was directed by Sidney J. Fury, who was actually quite prominent in the '80s. Not necessarily for all the right reasons, but he had a stretch where they were giving him some serious work. His work goes back to the 50s. Uh, The first film of his I recognize is uh, The Boys and Company C from 78. You ever seen that? No. I believe it was the first appearance of Arlie Ermey in like one or two scenes. Oh, what a stretch. Yeah, it was kind of a war drama, but it was more about believe it takes place in like occupied Vietnam. So it's like their relationship with everyone else that's living there and whatnot. But anyways, I remember seeing that like 20 years ago. He has an uncredited credit for the jazz singer. I wonder if he was like a second unit or directed some of the musical numbers or something. I see he also did Lady Sings the Blues. Right. A couple years before that. So he goes on a stretch of Iron Eagle. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, to Iron Eagle 2. That's a stretch of two years. And then <laughs> it's three years and it's taking of Beverly Hills, which I've never heard of. But then it goes to Ladybugs. It's a good <laughs> movie. Uh, then um, Iron Eagle on the Attack. That's the fourth one. And then there's a bunch of TV movies and a bunch of stuff I never heard of. So My Five Wives, which I watched recently. <laughs> So he's a Rodney guy. He is, yes. Still working. I mean, according to IMDb, there's an upcoming project, but I doubt 
I mean, he was born in 33, so. Yeah, his last released one was uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. So he's got one completed, but not released. So yeah, not a very uh, good director, but, you know, for Iron Eagle, you could do worse. Uh, this film stars Louis Gossett Jr., who was, I wouldn't say fresh off, but, you know, he had just won uh, Best Supporting Actor for Officer and a Gentleman in 82. So it was still kind of in the the national zeitgeist. Put him in another military role. He did Enemy, Enemy Mine uh, the year before this. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's a, it's a, a, the premise is really good, but the, the movie itself is not that good. Sure. Because it's about like a Earthman and a alien monster stuck on a neutral planet and they have to coexist to survive Ooh. and they're natural enemies. And he plays the, uh, the, the lizard man. Yeah. Because he, he was the first uh, African-American to win that award. Best supporting actor, at least for man. Cause um, gone with the wind. Hannah McDaniel was best supporting actress. And then Sidney Poitier was best actor, not supporting. So it was kind of a big deal at the time. And, Let's throw him in another military role. And then he's just going to take over the franchise because he's in all of them. <laughs> Which spoilers for this one. Yeah. He goes down about two thirds into the movie. Yep. Chappie! <laughs> yes. And that is his name. He is Chappie. Jason Gedrick plays Doug, Doug Masters. I didn't think he was that good, honestly. Make sure this is the right Doug here. Because this might have been no, Jason be right. Gedrick. Yeah, it should be Doug. Was there another Doug? I know he's much older now, but fuck, I don't, he doesn't really look like that. The kid Doug. But this guy would have been 20 at the time, so that seems about right. Uh, David Suchet plays the Minister of Defense. Tim Thomerson played Ted Masters. Larry B. Scott played Reggie. He's best known as Lamar Luttrell from the Revenge of the Nerds films at least one and two i can't remember if he's in three and or four but he was the flamboyant uh gay dude he won the javelin contest with his limp-wristed throwing technique <laughs> that Wormser uh designed a a javelin that was aerodynamically designed around his limp-wristed throwing technique that's funny <laughs> caroline lagerfeld played elizabeth jerry levine was tony i remembered him from uh several 80s films, Teen Wolf, chief among them. Yeah, let me look at this guy. Yeah, Jerry Levine had a, he was familiar. Uh, Robbie Riss played Milo. Michael Bowen was the bully slash antagonist of the first act, known as Notcher. They, I swear, they, they called him about five different names that were <laughs> all similar to that. Yeah. You could never quite. He was also the douchebag in Valley Girl. He's had some memorable work in 80s films. And I really I wish he was in here longer. He's just in the first couple of scenes and he's gone. Yeah, it seemed like that would have been a better movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I agree. He was he was one of the best uh characters in it. Then of course we have uh Melora Hardin as Katie Jan from the office. Did you uh pick that out straight away? <laughs> Well, I, I saw her name on the credits, but then I, I forgot to figure out which which character she was playing. And Doug's girlfriend. 
Was that Doug's girlfriend? Yeah. Tom Fridley of Jason Lives fame played Brillo. He's one of Notcher's guys. His lackeys. Well, with a name like Brillo, of course he was. <laughs> he was probably the guy with the frizzy hair. Shawnee Smith played Joni. I've been seeing a lot of Shiny Smith lately, and I haven't been watching the Saw movies, but she's in a lot of 80s stuff that I didn't realize. Probably because I hadn't seen most of it, but so been a while since I had seen this. Iron Eagle, she's in here. She's in Summer School, which I saw for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago. And then she's in Who's Harry Crumb? John Candy film from 89 or 88. In the blob. Yep. So it's like I don't I don't think I realized that she was almost like a a poor woman's Molly Ringwald, if you will. Hmm. A very prominent 80s actress. I don't think I realized, you know, when I saw Saw, all the Saw movies. She was a lot of TV in the 80s. Leaving Las Vegas, she was in. Yeah, I don't remember her in that. I'm sure. I mean her character's name is Biker Girl, so probably only in there for a couple seconds. Yeah, I don't know if I would have recognized her. Uh, synopsis for Iron Eagle. A young pilot plans a rescue mission when his father, an Air Force colonel, is shot down over enemy territory and captured. And that's pretty much how the movie starts, right? It's He's flying with some other guy over international airspace. Yeah, they're doing routine exercises mm-hmm. in disputed territory. Yeah, it's like this, this fictitious country doesn't recognize... Like the UN or everyone else's boundaries. Well, it's, I think it's kind of the opposite. the uh, The country has its border, and everybody else is like, "Well, no, your border is like twelve miles the other direction." Mm-hmm. And it was like the well, US the was thing, just though. trying. To, they were just trying to antagonize them by flying in the disputed airspace. They did mention that they kind of do this shit like every week, <laughs> and that they just decided to. Uh, Shoot them down this time. Yeah, they, they shot down pretty much everybody. Well, like a bunch of people got away, and then, uh, what's his name? Ted Masters. He shoots down a couple of MIGs, and then the uh, MIGs he, gets, he gets captured or whatever. Those commie MIGs. With, uh, I assume MIG is just like a generic uh, military thing. Well, I believe it was the you know the Chinese model of planes that they were selling all the communist countries back in the eighties. Is it? I believe so. Because they, I mean, they were. They, I think they even mentioned like in Top Gun, uh, they talk about talk about the Chinese MIG. Well, I was thinking of just like a, a generic uh, term for like an enemy uh, plane, but I could be wrong. Oh, maybe it's the uh, Russian plane. Is it Russian? I thought it was Ch- well. Mikoyan Guerovich MIG twenty one. Okay, there would be a you know Russian sold to the Chinese because yeah they were both communists back in the day. They got to stick together behind the Iron Curtain. So yes, uh, they're shot down. Meanwhile, his son Doug Masters, he's uh quite the uh, student, skips school most of the time just to hop in the the flight simulator. Uh, he really wants to get into the Air Force Academy. That's his main ambition. Must be like his dad. It's it's prom night, but he needs to be home early for his dad's phone call. That's right. And then you got to get ready for graduation. I like how his little brother is like talking to a junior, uh, a, 
a girl in junior, but a, a, in high school. Yeah, and he's uh, and he's like she high. thinks I am too. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking little brothers. Yeah, he's like in eighth grade, and he's talking to like a sophomore or a junior. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm talking to the whatever her name is. Isn't she a junior? Yeah. <laughs> How did you get that to work? She thinks I'm a junior too. I, uh, I forgot to mention it, but I did enjoy when they're doing their exercise. Uh, the enemies say, attention, American invaders. That's <laughs> 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 what we are. We can do whatever we want, though. We're America. Yeah, you mentioned the score or score slash soundtrack earlier and um it is a pretty great soundtrack and i think this is where my love of soundtracks probably started because when you're a kid like to perform well he's got to listen to music yeah so he's gotta pause everything let me put the tape in click it down press play spencer davis group starts blaring a lot of great songs in here but i think that's that's where it started for me it could be a cool action scene, but it doesn't mean all that much if there isn't a cool soundtrack attached to it, right? Yeah. I will say the uh, the actual score sounded familiar to me, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Like, mm-hmm. like it was it, either they stole it from another movie or another movie or multiple movies even maybe have used that score. I just couldn't quite put my finger on what they were, but it sounded really familiar to me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wonder if it would say who who did the actual score. I was trying to find if they had any like songs in the soundtrack listing, but uh, the composer was Basil Polidorus, and ooh, he's got some pretty big credits. So he's credited several times as conductor, composer, trying to get everything that's just start with composer. So breakdown. I'm going from like more recent to. Older breakdown in '97, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, Free Willy 2, Jungle Book, On Deadly Ground, Free Willy, Hot Shots Part Deux, Robocop movies. Well, I bet you it was Hot Shots Part Deux. Yeah, I bet if I watched that again, it would be the same thing. Maybe it's the same story, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that seems like it would fit. Like they just like ripped off the uh. The original soundtrack. Flight of the Intruder, another Navy pilot movie. White Fang, Hunt for Red October, Lonesome Dove, Iron Eagle, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, one episode. Red Dawn, Conan the Destroyer, Conan the Barbarian. And that'll about do it for that. But yeah, very prominent. So yeah, it's like it's like John Williams. You hear you're <laughs> shit everywhere. He turned 93 the other day. Is that what it was? That sounds like something you'd write. Gonna fire up the THX logo. Is it even a thing anymore? Do they even do the THX thing anymore? Not that I know of. Nothing recent. I know there was a old Madden football video game that had the THX logo at the beginning when you'd fire it up. Yeah. Although it, there could be for 
like Lucas stuff, like some Star Wars things. I mean, I guess it technically wouldn't be Lucas anymore, but so I haven't watched the recent Star Wars trilogy in a while, but before those films, it might be there. Maybe. I I, I don't know. I, I can't remember uh, them having it for a while. All right. So should we get to our first clip? When we meet Michael Bowen at the drive, drive-in restaurant. Is that what it is? Yeah, it was like a... Drive-in diner. Is that what you call those? places like a sonic yeah but like, like a, a it was like, like a, a 50s <laughs> it was like a sonic yeah sonic drive-in i forget were the waitresses on roller skates in this one i don't think there were waitresses <laughs> i don't think anybody was working <laughs> so they couldn't afford it but it's the cool teen hangout in this film and michael bowen and his lackeys are there and they just love to torment doug masters i guess it seems that way. Yeah. So here's and his clip. girlfriend too. They 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 come in tormenting his girlfriend. What were they doing to you? I was just coming over the bridge, and they all came up behind me. You better hold it well. What is it with you, Nacho? <laughs> Can't you get through one day without proving what an asshole you are? Hey, I was just having a little fun with your girlfriend, Fly Baby. I figured maybe she might realize she deserves more from life than some pussy Air Force. Chill, just forget about this big, nasty, moose lip grease ball. She's just trying to get you in trouble. Now, if Sheriff Pingo finds out you've been fighting again, you're going to be put in jail until your dad comes back. D, just chill. I'm losing my patience with you, Notch. Well, I'm losing my patience with you, Masters. You know, like I always tell you, it'd be easy to settle this thing if you had any balls. Just run the snake with me. You know, you sound like a broken record. You got snake on the brain. Didn't you learn nothing from the last time with Branson? Branson was a kid who recently died on said snake run. I forget if it's his friend or whoever. He goes, Doug, you'll get killed just like Jimmy Branson did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, running the snake is uh, this... I don't know, long race through like a winding kind of a southwestern landscape. You want to call it that? Now Masters is gonna would would race Michael Bowen. Michael Bowen would be in his dirt bike, Masters would be in a plane. I believe that was the same situation when this Branson this Branson kid died. He's gonna stay under fifty feet uh altitude. And uh below the hard deck, if you will. And um, <laughs> and Natcher or Dotcher, whatever his fucking name is, <laughs> has the state of the main roads, which uh, he kind of cheats on because he takes the fire road, which is not really a main road. It'll cut 10 minutes off his time. <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like it's a two minute race, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like well, you, now you, it you, is. Like you barely beat him. It would have been 12 and, minutes. You're in an airplane and you barely beat him. And you're saying that he cut 10 minutes off his time. So you're going to beat him by 10 minutes if he if he stuck to the main roads. Yeah, these kids, I can't believe they're getting all these planes because they cost a lot for gas for the shit, <laughs> right? For an airplane, even if they're not going oh, that yeah. far. Yeah, who owns these planes anyways? And yeah, I don't think they would lend them out they knew they were doing this with them plus then he got all his friends in the plane behind him just to watch him and make sure he stays below 50 feet 
So you're, you're running two planes. <laughs> three, they have three planes. They have three planes. That's right. They had three. Because they had the, the good guy plane. So they had uh, the Doug's plane who's racing. They had the good guy plane and then the uh, the bad guy plane chasing. And uh, yeah, so they had all three of them up there. Although almost, the good I mean, guys are flying all three because nobody with Nacho's crew can fly a plane, I don't think. I think they had uh, Jeremy Levine, I think, was flying like the bad guy's plane, wasn't he? Wasn't Jeremy Levine? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking he was one of the adults, but maybe not. No. Because he was good friends. And that junior, what is the junior flyers? What's their association called? The Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they, uh, they mentioned something else. Like they're like junior cadets or something. I don't recall. Well, we should mention this is also where we meet Chappie because he gets a word that they're going to fly the snake. And so he's tweaking the plane. Mm-hmm. He, he takes it upon himself to tweak the plane so that he doesn't Jimmy Branson himself all over the, the mountains. <laughs> There's one mutsing himself out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> is that a saying? Why is it ever? It's like the third time I've heard that. Months. All right. So they do the race. Notcher cheats, but still loses. Well, one of his guys loosened the oil cap. He starts doing smoke about halfway through the race. And they're just laughing about it. Yeah. It's like, you got to kill this guy. <laughs> it's all in good fun, Brett. It's all in good fun. This whole movie is all in good fun. You got nowhere to land, spewing smoke, losing oil pressure second after second. Because it was supposed to make him land early. Not, you know, bow out of the race, but (laughs) he pushes through it and just barely survives. And he wins. He beats him, uh, threatens Notcher again, but. Well, he punched him. Yeah. But that's it. Cooler heads prevailed mostly. And then he gets a phone call. Doug, your dad's been shot down. No, somebody shows up in a car. That's right. Yeah. You need to come back home right now. Your dad's been shot down. Go to the base. Yeah. Nobody's really telling him what's going on. And so he takes it upon himself to, I guess, get past all the like top secret clearance and whatnot. He just walks into a restricted area. (laughs) Just barges in. Uh, That's our next clip, I believe. Hey, buddy. Buddy, who the hell do you think you are? Lighten up, man. I just want to talk to Colonel Blackburn. Davis, hey, it's okay. I suppose you want some answers. Nobody's telling us what's going on. And I figured since you and Dad have been friends for so long, you'd tell me the truth. What'd they tell you so far? Just that Dad and another plane were flying over the med when they got jumped. And then something crazy about a trial. Well, it's kind of a complicated situation. Hell, it's a bunch of nonsense, really. Some countries play the ball game a little different than we do. Come on. Stick on my heels for a minute. I'm going to get my tip in the ringer if the general catches me showing you this stuff. So keep your mouth shut. 
See, we fly what's known as freedom of navigation exercises to establish. International airspace. I know. My dad's told me about it. But he wasn't even in their territory, so why'd they fire on him? Because they claim a 200-mile limit, right about out to here. We only recognize 12. They usually don't mess with us, but this time they, uh, they caught us with our pants down. Your dad didn't have much of a chance. At least he waxed three of the bastards before he bailed. So what's all this about a trial? Sir? Excuse me a second, Dad. You're full of shit. We asked for a carrier. They said they couldn't cooperate with us at this time, Colonel. It's nonsense. You get old Admiral Woods' nuts on the horn right now. You tell him a general wants to talk to him pronto. I'm sorry, Doug. I'll tell you one thing. I don't like the way the State Department's playing this. Christ, we're holding all the aces, and they act like all we got's a pair of twos waiting on a face card. General felt putting a carrier off their coast might put a fire up their butt, but they denied our request. They tell us the name of the game's negotiation. Colonel, will you please just tell me what's going on? All right. He's being put on trial for violating their territorial sovereignty. Now, we know it's bullshit. Washington knows it's bullshit. State Department thinks it's a bluff. They think they're using him as a kind of bargaining chip. For what? Well, they're what's called a pariah nation in that part of the world. We've been in bargo and trade to them for years. They're probably using this to get us to lift it. What's going to happen, Colonel? I don't know yet, Doug. We're hoping to hear what they really want from us in the morning. Till then, there's not much any of us can do. Especially since the uh, suits up at the White House got our hands tied like this. But you're going to have to be patient. We don't even have diplomatic relations with the bastard, so it takes a whole heap of time just to make a phone call. Now, Brett, you made sure I, I got that clip. Where do you think Tit in the Ring error came from? Is that a saying you've heard before? Not necessarily. But it does sound kind of familiar, doesn't it? it sounds like a Southern thing, you know, like... You know, they have all kinds of sayings like that. Let's try to figure out, okay, you know, where did that saying come from? It's got to be something with livestock, right? This has got to be like a a hog or a cow or something that got their tits caught in our, I'm trying to figure out what the ringer is. Well, isn't the ringer like uh, like doing the hand wash on the laundry? You run it through the ringer to dry it? Okay. I mean, that sounds logical to me i never heard of what that drying machine was they call that a ringer huh i mean i could i could see it it makes sense because women would be doing the laundry correct and their breasts would be exposed to that mechanism yeah if you if you google tit cotton in a ringer with a w <laughs> There's a WordPress.com thing that comes up first, and it's uh, it's called Tit and a Ringer and Other Stories. It's not some like HuffPost article that's well, it's like about a, outdated, offensive terms and shit. It looks like it's a blog or whatever, and like they have a example. It says, "Don't get your don't get your tit caught in a ringer." My grandfather used to say that, and he wasn't talking about washing clothes. Okay, so what was he talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Learn something every day. I need to get that clip from uh, NBC, The More You Know. <laughs> the More You Know. 
I like in this uh, this this whole scene is like retarded. Uh, it was stu- <laughs> <laughs> this whole Steve this whole this whole clip is stupid. Um, <laughs> it's all right, your uncle. You could say it because he talks about some nations don't just they play ball by a different set of rules. <laughs> and he goes on to talk about how he hates that the, the State Department wants to negotiate instead of putting an aircraft carrier on their shores mm-hmm. in the disputed area. And then uh, he says, we've had a embargo on them for years. And then he goes, we don't have any diplomatic relations with them. So it takes forever just to make a phone call. <laughs> and it's like, so, so do you, do you have any, like, so, so you don't have interactions with this country, but also you've been fucking with them forever <laughs> and you've been disputing their, their border while running uh, your air force exercises in the disputed area. <laughs> and now you're like, you want to start World War Three because they shot down one of your pilots? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Chappie asks Doug later. He's like, "What well, do you want to start a war over it? Huh? Drop some miss or shoot some missiles at him?" That's exactly what they do. Yeah. Except well, he's for like, the, "Well, no." <laughs> like they don't retaliate because they're they're you know poor or whatever. But uh, although they are they're they're oil rich nations, so they should have yeah. some money, but. They, they, not this year though. Doug Masters calls their bluff, and uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, they wither. You know, they just totally wither under the pressure. So, I mean, there's plenty of '80s tropes in this film. Uh, of course, this had the well, this is kind of a Saddam Hussein stand-in. But I wonder, when did Iraq kind of become our enemy? Because you see all those pictures of like what Bush and you know Bush Senior and all of them like hey like when we were still friends. Uh, well, probably when they invaded Kuwait. Yeah, but that was like eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, but I don't think anybody cared about them before ninety one. Well, it was nineteen ninety because that's when Sergeant Slaughter turned on America <laughs> and became an, an Iraqi sympathizer. Oh, when was the Iran-Iraq war? Because I'm sure that's why we were best buddies with them, because we hated Iran ever since the, you know, the 70s and the revolution and the hostages and all that. Well, well, no, they gave Iran weapons to fight the Russians. No, that was Afghanistan. Oh, that's right. That was Afghanistan. That was Osama. Yeah, and then Iran took all our people hostage. That was yeah. very good. So, and that was like 80, 81, 79, okay, 79, something like that. Yeah. 444 days. Mm -hmm. They held them until Reagan got uh, put into, uh, inaugurated as president. Go watch Argo. I've not seen Argo. I just know the story. Yeah. Well, not the story of Argo, but the story of the hostages. (laughs) Yeah. But sometime later there was the, you know, Iran Iraq war and course we were we allied with iraq and really cheering them on for that war but yeah once yeah. they invaded kuwait then it was game over game over man because it does i don't get an iran feel 
from this nameless country, nor do I get it from like the their military leader guy. Honestly, I he reminded me of like General Adnan mm. from the WWF. <laughs> they did they did like mention Colonel, Colonel Mustafa. Like it, it reminded me of the whole WWF shtick of the, the Iraqi sympathizers. In one of our next clips, they do mention or allude to the fact that it's run by a, a religious figure. Is did, did they say something like spiritual leader or your religious leader of your country or something? I have no idea. Almost like you know Khomeini, the Ayatollah of rock not and roll, not of rock and roll. <laughs> Actually, they had the uh, the Simpsons on the other day where. Might have been yesterday on President's Day, even where George H.W. Bush moves in across the, the way. Mm. And like he moves in during a uh, a rummage sale. And like there, Marge and Homer were in the attic beforehand looking for stuff to sell. And Marge is like, Why do you have this down with the Ayatollah t shirt? And he says, <laughs> It works for with all the Ayatollahs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was about to say there's another 80s trope in here, but I think it's just a trope with kids' movies in general, at least about high school, because Doug Masters is driving around this vintage Mustang, right? Convertible. Yeah. It's another trope of like, how do the all these kids have these fucking incredible cars? You know, right. For days to get fused, everyone's got a a nice classic, you know, muscle car or some sort of a, a novelty type car. I don't know how they afford it. Nobody's driving around in a late model Honda Civic. Mm-mm. Well, yeah, he had rig his uh, cassette player up for his uh, vintage Mustang. Otherwise I did like that. It. That was that was before CD players. At least you know for your car, because we all know that they didn't show up in cars until Wayne's World. So you can't listen to records in the car. <laughs> or to the cockpit, for that matter. But yeah, he has that contraption to hook up his tape deck to his car. Well, he's got like a CB radio or something. It's a good, I don't know. It's, it seems like that's how he hooked it up. But well, it could something be to do with the military. You know, you got to stay in touch. Yeah. <laughs> I like when he pulled away from the curb. Like they, they made it like, oh my god, this guy's such a reckless driver. Lucky, he almost got rear-ended. But this this other car comes turning from the the side street, and like he would have hit him if he didn't move, right? <laughs> so I, I think Doug is in the in the clear there. I think the other guy would have been at fault. I just want to get to the next clip when he talks to Chappie. Talk to him about what can be done. Anything else you want to bring up? Yeah, well, his dad gets sentenced to uh, get hanged. Yeah, they kind of have a kangaroo court situation over there. Can't read my notes. Yeah, so so basically, the, they don't have any demands. Like the U.S. was gonna try and negotiate, ask, no. ask for their demands so they can negotiate. Because this was before we didn't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah, this was before we didn't give them billions of dollars, whatever the fuck you know they <laughs> wanted us to. Well, now, yeah, that was uh, you know we had a, that eight years where we didn't negotiate with terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we totally reversed our uh, <laughs> reversed our uh, you know stance on that. Yeah, so basically they're just like we're gonna hang them, just you know, as a 
as a uh, you know example to the rest of the world. And uh, we're going to do it in three days. So you got to get the Eagles together to meet with Chappie. This is uh, Doug trying to get something started with Chappie. Something you want to ask me? Uh, I just didn't know you were still in the Air Force. I'm not. So what, are you in the reserve now? That's right. So how come you're working as a mechanic? Because fixing airplanes is something I like to do. Anything else you want to ask me? Look, I wasn't trying to write a book. I was just curious, that's all. Your dad's a strong man. He'll be okay. You know him? No, but let's say I know the type. That's the most important thing to know. Yeah? Well, if more people were like him, he wouldn't be stuck over there. What do you mean by that? Nobody's doing anything is what I mean. I mean, they don't have the balls to stand up to those bastards and force them to release them. Oh, I see. Well, what do you think we ought to do about it? Launch some missiles? Go to war over it? No, of course not. But how tough could it be? They're a shitty little country. It's not the matter of being tough. It's the way they do things. Too many people get to make the decisions. I mean, I've seen them operate. They just take too long. You've seen them flying one of these things? A bunch of times. But they usually uh, lose more lives than they save. Your, your dad is a whole lot better off, probably, if they just negotiate. Well, you think with the right plan, it'd be simple to go in and get him? It's not that simple, but it, it's possible. Could you plan it? Why? Because I want to know. Probably. What do you think it would take? It's take a hell of a lot more than you got here. But wait a minute. Dad's got a lot of people on the base that love him. Being friends with someone's a lot different than risking your life for them. All right, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think an F-16, fully armed, with all the firepower it can carry, could fly in there and pull it off? Look, we stop wasting your time thinking about this. The Air Force is not going to do anything. They'll do a hell of a lot more than you think. They just won't know they're doing it. What? Look, I'm telling you right now, I bet you can get a plane, all the firepower it can carry, aerial recon, intelligence. I got the whole goddamn base wired. Anything you need, I can get you. Are you wired enough to get me a couple of pilots, too? I can get you one. Look, Kendall, this is probably the toughest thing you've ever had to go through in your life. But hanging on to these crazy ideas, it's not going to make it any easier on you. Take it easy, huh? You don't think I can fly, do you? Oh, come on, don't talk stupid. Do you think flying in an F-16 in aerial combat is the same as that snake you flew yesterday? Hey, would you listen to me for one minute? I'm listening. I've got three times as many hours on that simulator as most pilots flying Falcons on the base right now. As for combat, you know that's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, how many guys around here been in dogfights? Four? Five tops? The simulator's good enough to train them and they're out there defending the whole goddamn country. What, you think because they're uh, three or four years older than me it makes any difference? Look, look, look. I've already missed my simulator time. I'm not going to miss my flight time. I gotta go. Well, let me go with you. Been up a bunch of times with Dad. Hey, come on! At least let me show you what I can do. Tired of talking about it. I'm going. You know he ain't got a chance, but you don't give a shit enough to help him. You're no different than anyone else. You really believe that nonsense you're saying? Look at me when I talk to you. 
Look, let, let me clue you into something right now. I've given this country 22 damn fucking years of my life. 22 years. I've seen young boys blown out of the air over the Pacific. I've seen the guts sprawled all over the rice paddies of Vietnam. So every time somebody dies for this country, believe me, boy, I give a shit. God damn it, nobody talks to me like this. I'm not going to start now. I'm going to help you, father. Hmm? You be strong for your family. You stay right here. <laughs> Chappie really chews the scenery. He, uh, and an officer and gentleman, which is a, a really good film, by the way, watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. You know, he's, do, he's basically doing early army before early army. They even do some of the same jokes as full metal jacket. Cause, uh, can't remember who it was. Somebody in the new platoon was like from Oklahoma. He's like, Oklahoma. Holy shit. Only two things come from Oklahoma. Steers and queers. And you don't have any horns on you. <laughs> I've heard this before. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, this is 82. This is five years before Full Metal Jacket. Well, Full Metal Jacket took place during Vietnam, so. Yeah, Officer and Gentleman was, <laughs> I guess it took place in 82. It was, it was a contemporary film, but. It was a documentary. Full Metal Jacket was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somewhat, you know, they they let Arlie Army just do his thing. I assume that's just like a old standard, uh, yeah, military thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, Not just in gen in general, that's a kind of a cliche joke for anybody from a a rural uh, state. Yeah, at the end of the film, at the end of an officer gentleman, there's a new class of recruits and somebody's from Kai, I forget which state it's not Texas. It's not Oklahoma. It's like, I don't know. It's South Dakota or something. And he's like, Holy shit. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Holy steers and queers come from there. I like uh, in 1986, you could still call a shitty country, a shitty country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's just a shitty little country. <laughs> What's so hard? What's so difficult? <laughs> Anybody could just easy. go in there and get, get dad out of there. What are they waiting for? Just a shitty little country. Well, I mean, that's that is true to like a a teenager's perspective. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a teenager at the time I saw it. I was like, you know, four, five, six, seven years old watching these movies. But yeah, that that made sense to me. I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> we're America. We don't lose wars. Well, like back when, back when you could, you know, say that in movies, and people would be like, "Yeah, yeah. it is," you know, nobody had a problem with it. But uh, is that even at the, even in the nineties, early nineties, people weren't. I mean, we know we didn't really win Vietnam, but that was all oh, we quit. We didn't care. We left it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we left it behind. Because after you know, they are the first Iraq War, which took a whole three cups of coffee, and it was over. Right, desert storm. Mm -hmm. But um, these little shit yeah. little countries, they don't take long. I, take I like how he, he 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 just assumes that they're so isolated and shit that like no other country is gonna like back them up. Like America's just bombing this one country <laughs> because they they took one of their uh, one of their pilots hostage. They're gonna come bomb the shit out of them to save <laughs> one guy. <laughs> 
Yeah, and they're, they're not like, going to kill him, of course. It's like overkill. Yeah. I know they wanted to make a big show of it and hang him for the world to see, but yeah, you know, they're just going to kill him. If he, like in real life, if you went and bombed their country, they would just kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Let's get to, I don't know, the basically now is like a montage of them. Oh, it's, you know, Doug has, con- has to convince Chappie that. He's up to the task. Him and the other Eagles can get the info that he needs. Doug is an adequate pilot. Even though he's a kid, he could you know, fly a mission in the enemy territory. All this stuff happens uh, over a montage. Well, yeah, they do a bit of a, they do a training mission where he's got to practice shooting targets. Mm-hmm. And Doug can't hit the targets unless he's playing his music. <laughs> Because uh, Chappie says, turn that shit off. And he's, he's like, all right, hit the targets. And he misses every single one. And he's like, let me try something. Play. <laughs> and then he's, you know, listen to Ronnie James Dio or whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, well, he, he had gotten in trouble with that earlier because he was in the simulator and he was doing well, listening to his music. And then he, he gets shot down or something. He fails whatever he's doing. And they're like, oh, you would have heard that if you weren't listening to music. You know, you should <laughs> listen to the. I don't know what you call it, the in-flight audio, if you will. <laughs> Got the, the the comms, the yeah, the computer, and the radar, and all that. But yeah, so 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 after that, Chappie's all in, and they do the the montage of setting up the the plan. Mm-hmm. Gets the whole Eagles crew there, the Iron Eagles. Uh, before we get to that, there is a quick clip I want to play. This is the Saddam Hussein stand-in talking to Doug Masters' dad. It was a kangaroo court decision, and they're just trying to get him to sign a confession so they yeah. can show the world he confessed, which I don't know why they just aren't doing it and saying he did. <laughs> but here's a clip. I have been informed you will not sign the confession we require. I came to ask you to reconsider. You see, I am a compassionate man. I understand your courage and your sense of duty, but there are those in power above me who do not share my sentiments. You're referring to your beloved leader. Why don't you have him come down here and see me personally? I'll give him a confession. I'll shove it up his ass. Yeah, there's definitely some colorful language in here. What up his ass? PG-13 film. As I mentioned, the one F-bomb. But there's a lot of shits and ass and yeah, everything in here. And all the, you know, he said there wasn't a lot of blood, but Doug Masters' dad, was it Ted? Is it Ted Masters? Ted, yes. He sheds some blood when he gets shot. Yeah. But they're quick to, to say, oh, look, they're, they're still alive. <laughs> like, no, don't worry, he's not dead. He's just, you know. It went through. Brett, I, I can't oversell how awesome this movie was for a young child. <laughs> Especially with the soundtrack and him blowing shit up. You know, this also kind of coincided with all the the games, uh, the video games of the late 80s, early 90s. The Jet games made popular after Top Gun was so popular and Iron Eagle. I had a couple of them. I forget what they were called now. Shit. Because I know there, I'm sure there was like a Top Gun game, but that's not the one that was popular that everyone played. I'm trying to think of what it was. 
I know there was a there was a Nintendo one that we had that we used to play all the time, but I can't remember it. That's now, and an hour we could have total recall. I don't recall. I do recall Lou Gossett Jr. saying, "Get your butt in my trailer now." <laughs> He really wanted that boy in his trailer. He has, <laughs> he has a lot of suggestive dialogue regarding kids in this film. Yeah, he wants uh, Doug to go get some sleep before the mission in his trailer. <laughs> yeah, in my bed, my pillow, <laughs> my pillow in my bed. My, my bed, my pillow, your ass now. <laughs> I read that. I know he was staying in his bed, but he didn't have to say, get in my bed. Like, get it to said, get to bed, get to yeah. sleep. <laughs> get in my bed sounds a little different. <laughs> when you say get in my bed, it means like I'm coming in too. <laughs> Maybe Brian Singer wrote this one. <laughs> uh, it was the 80s. It was the time of, well, I mean, children have been abused by Hollywood since Hollywood started, but, you know, it definitely seemed like. You know, 80s was a real boom for for kids' movies. Yes. 80s and 90s. So many good ones. From that mid to late 80s to mid 90s. Like non-animated kids' films were all the rage. It all changed to Toy Story 95. Everything just became animated after that, I think. Well, it's like you can't have a PG-rated movie anymore. uh, Unless it's like, I don't know like aimed at adults but it's like like one of them religious ones maybe yeah where it's like you know it's a message movie it's a message movie you know you don't have like you don't have like family like kid slapstick shit you know yeah remember the remember the titans was what 2000 or so late 90s 2000 yeah and then that was very popular that was pg and a kids movie that the entire family enjoyed, but that was like a serious drama. Like, yeah. You... And which, which is why I hate it nowadays. <laughs> like I can't stand it. Cause it's so stupid. It's like, you could tell, I know it was based off of a true story, but that true story was uh, not something that should have been handled by Disney in a PG film. <laughs> like Get your most... headquarters in there. <laughs> the most racist thing that ever happens in that movie is like somebody throws a rock through Boone's window and like, well, okay, okay. So wait, one of the parents does, I think, say call him Coach Coon at one point, <laughs> but the N word is never like spoken. No, really. no. And like, I there is some PG rated angry letter that is on the rock that is thrown through the window, like probably like Negroes get out or some shit. But it's like you know, watch it now. I just uh, it gives me the douche chills. Can't stand that fucking movie. That and Hayden Penetier. She's lucky she <laughs> went in the screen movies because I. You know, before that, I couldn't fucking stand her because of Remember the Titans. Hmm. When you're, you know, when you're growing up, like all the, the adults, they loved Hayden Panettiere and Remember the Titans. She's so funny. She's so outspoken and loud and so into football. So funny. Couldn't I've only seen it once. I, I don't remember much about the movie. I was going to say, I was going to say your complaint about the toned down racism is how I felt watching spike lee's black Klansman, yeah because it was I, like i think a lot of boots riley would agree i know that he's the first black cop in the in the the station and like the only uh, racism he encounters is, is some razzing when he's working the evidence lockup yeah <laughs> okay 
I think it was Boots Riley that, well, Boots Riley had that essay about it, talking about how, you know, he grew up kind of idolizing Spike Lee and he was, you know, such a, a revolutionary for for black voices and, and blacks in film, but he, you know, took him to task over black Klansmen. And I think what he alleged in there was one of the reasons he thinks Spike Lee kind of went soft with it is because there was, he got paid like a couple hundred thousand dollars to do some sort of a, a pro, promo video for the NYPD mm. around this, around like just before black Klansmen, like in the years leading up to it. So he thinks he kind of went soft on the police. That was one of the re- that was one of the things he alleged. Yeah, it's it's it just seems like weird that he uh, he toned it down. Like he, he he definitely didn't go. Well, you know, like as somebody who's watched a lot of movies that came out in the seventies, like it seemed very uh, tame compared to the movies that actually came out at that time. Yeah, because it was like. Like there's so many movies around the time that were like about racism in the police department and how they treated like black cops and like black criminals and that type of thing. And sure. It was like you did nowhere even close to that with black Klansmen. And like you spent your career like building up to this and all of a sudden you're like you're shy about it? Like I don't know. Family guy had that joke about you know, a white character in a Spike Lee movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's kind of true, you know, especially his, basically everything before black Klansman, you know, like there's, well, he some, did make a couple white movies that were just like normal, but what old boy. <laughs> uh, well, like, uh, I guess Denzel starred in it, but, uh, uh, Inside Man. See, now no, this he is, does it. He did that, that brings one me with, to my point. He did that one with Richard. Was it Edward Norton or Richard Gere or whatever? The twenty fifth hour. Twenty fifth hour. Yeah, that's yeah, Norton. But then I haven't seen that since it came out. I wanted to because everyone talks about how good it is, but I don't. I don't remember it being that great. But I'm sure he I, lived by Ground Zero. I mean, I saw it when I was like <laughs> I don't know fourteen, fifteen. So I'm sure my opinion will have changed. But Inside Man. While I do like the film quite a bit, there's some scenes in there that just do not work, specifically with Willem Dafoe and his scene with Denzel. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't I saw it in the theater and I haven't seen it since. I, I, I've been meaning to rewatch it for years, but I don't uh, I don't recall a lot of specifics. Because Denzel is kind of the, the commanding officer, like the He's the head honcho. He's the head sheriff in charge, if you will, <laughs> on scene. He's handling everything, right? And so everyone there is basically supporting him. Black cops, white cops, everybody. Jody well, Fisher. <laughs> Jody Foster. Jody Foster. <laughs> Willem Dafoe plays some, I mean, even at the time, this is the late aughts, like 07, 08, you know, He's in his, at least in his forties by then, late forties probably. But he oh, looks yeah. like he's playing some beat cop, basically, some peon, somebody that's way underneath Denzel. And he starts talking about a couple of, I think, black like criminals that they had arrested or something or other. But he, he's using the N word to describe them like very, <laughs> colorfully, if you will, just right to Denzel's face, like it's no big deal, like. A white cop would just say that to a superior officer 
who happens to be black, like it's no big deal. Yeah. Like I could almost even see that if it was like the seventies or eighties. The and it's like a, yeah. a white cop and a black superior officer. Maybe that still would work. And all Denzel goes, you know, would you mind pulling back on the color commentary? He uses the term color commentary. That that's all that's said about it. I was like, there's no fucking way that's happening now. <laughs> no. Post 9-11, like there isn't some beat cop that's gonna shout the N-word to a black superior officer as if it's like what they call African Americans. Just just normal. <laughs> Not after OJ. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, it just take like I still like the movie, but that scene completely takes me out of it. I was like, that's uh, just Spike Lee <laughs> putting in racist language that white people say. This is what white people. This is what really happens in the police department. I'm sure of it. All right, Mark Furman. <laughs> Furman, German. Fear. <laughs> but it just it just makes no sense, you know. I mean, I know the whole movie is still about race because of everyone in the bank is a suspect. You know, all the innocent people are suspects mm. because everyone's wearing the the clothes and whatnot. But yeah. I definitely need to revisit that one. It's so good. I remember, just, I remember that scene really the takes you out of it. Yeah. You're just like, you had to put in like, like I know that the film's about race, but you don't have to add in like these extra racist scenes. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it's so unrealistic. And then Michael Rappaport shows up and tells a <laughs> black guy that he's blacker than the black guy. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about uh, the alt-right winger? Michael Rappaport? Michael Rappaport. He, he <laughs> Lately he's sides. talking about voting for Trump and stuff. He switched sides. <laughs> there was no war in Gaza under Trump. That snowball knocked some sense into him, I guess. Jared Kushner brought peace to the Middle East. That staged snowball. Remember that from like two years ago on Twitter? When he's like yeah. doing that Twitter Did video. Get get that video? Snowball? Yeah, snowball in the face. And he was like, oh yeah, that was staged. Yeah. It's because Biden hates the Jews. God, Rappaport is such a fucking tool. Michael Rappaport, who's so proud to be Jewish <laughs> that he played a neo-Nazi <laughs> in higher learning. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard so much about his performance in Bamboozled. I got to check that out. The Bamboozled is uh, one of Spike Lee's better movies, but he shot it on like handy cams. <laughs> so it looks like shit. Well, that, it, like was, it, it was it was the like late a, '90s, right, or like 2000. So wasn't yeah, it was it? like the early 2000s. So, so it was, it was like, that oh, digital this, age, you know? Isn't it so cool? He filmed it on handy cams. Yeah, it looks like a, it's a mini DV, right? <laughs> looks like you uh, you filmed it using a home camera. <laughs> it's like a, it's like one of those things where it's like filmed with iPhone, but they didn't use any accessories. It's like, yeah, I know, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, back to Iron Eagle. Uh, should we get to the next clip? Yeah, I think because the next clip is in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, in in Chappie's trailer, not the movie's trailer. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie's trailer. <laughs> I'm sure it kicks ass. The actual physical trailer, the building. <laughs> or... Open it. Go ahead, open it. Who are these guys? A bunch of kids that thought that they were ready too. Pilots? All of them. They all look about 22 or 23. That's right. All of them. 
So I don't see what you're getting so worried about, chap. What makes them any different than me? Because they're dead. All of them. lay awake at night thinking about how fast and how brutal they died. Parts of them falling on the land, parts of them falling in the sea. Some parts of them burning just into nothing in the middle of the air. And all of them thought that they were ready for it. all over, I promised myself that I'd never be a part of killing kids again. That's why it took so long to come around to helping you. Now, looks like I've got us both trapped into something that... They could kill us? I know that, Chappie. And those kids? I don't know what you think anymore, but they knew it too. Maybe they weren't ready for it, but who in the hell is ever ready for it? You didn't get me into this. I went to you, remember? I know what we're risking. And I'm proud to be able to fly with you. Maybe I'm not all that ready, but I'm damn proud. Oh, enough of this nonsense. I got some work to do. Where, where, where'd you put that tape recorder? That's... In my bag next to the sink. Hey, wait a minute. Just where do you think you're going? I just wanted to see what you were doing. Why don't you see what my pillow in bed is doing? I want you to sleep in five minutes, okay? <laughs> no more killing kids, Brent. I, I'd never be a part of killing kids again. That's why it took so long for me to come around on it. To help. <laughs> it took like uh, half an hour to come around. Well, that's the magic of the 80s montage, Brett. <laughs> it took us so long one conversation <laughs> I, I like how he's just like you know like like being part of killing kids was just a normal thing for him until all of them died <laughs> all of them all of them I know he's chewing the scenery again in here but we forgot to mention during the montage where they're going over the planning of their raid what did you think of Chappie's dance moves. <laughs> he was cutting a rug all over the hangar. At one point, he brings Doug to a bar. <laughs> I I don't know. I I I I was a little in and out during the montage. I'm not gonna lie. So I, <laughs> I don't know if I remember everything that happened. I think he plays some James Brown, and he really starts wiggling his his rump. <laughs> but uh, he is not a good dancer. They start twerking. A little bit. If they came out today, he would be twerking. <laughs> like She-Hulk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like She-Hulk. You don't like it because she's green, Brad? Is that it? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. I got the Disney Plus now, so I, I might... I'm not going to watch it. But... Uh, twerking with Ice Spice. Ice Spice. <laughs> You see, Ice Spice got in Taylor Swift's uh, Super Bowl. Uh, I'm sure, uh, how could you not? Box. It was everywhere. 
It was like a quarter's worth of the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was the game and Ice Spice and Taylor. Well, less than 1% of it was Taylor Swift. That's what they say. That's Still not too true. much. It's not true. It was after every fucking play. Like Lively was up there. Was she? That was the one who was like hanging on Taylor's arm, hugging her all the time. That was Ryan Reynolds' wife. He, he, he sent out that that joke tweet. Anybody seen my wife? <laughs> He's so funny. Oh, ho, ho. I wish we had the family guy sound bad. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds on the family guy. I can't believe he did an episode on the family guy where he tries to have sex with Peter because he's secretly <laughs> gay. Yeah. <laughs> just like out there. Well, he's like he's like, I don't like to put labels on it. You know, in Hollywood, <laughs> we don't put labels on it. You know, I'm I'm Hollywood straight. <laughs> yeah. I I'm afraid I'm gonna hate the new Deadpool because I've seen too many Ryan Reynolds movies since the last one. Oh yeah. And there's another Ryan Reynolds movie that comes out before it too. Mm. If from oh, the, that's right. the from the imagination of John Krasinski, if Malcolm McDowell doesn't make an appearance in that movie, they're really uh, missing their mark there. In if yeah, they got to make that joke. I don't get it. Malcolm McDowell starred in a film called If. Dot dot. dot. Oh, I'm not aware. I was not aware. It was like a year before Clockwork Orange. Because I think Stanley noticed him in that. And was like, I should put him in my movie. And then then he, you think, man, Malcolm McDowell, he's good. He must do nothing but good movies. And then you find <laughs> out he did like maybe like two four or three. Rob Zombie movies. <laughs> he, did, he did like two or three good movies in his whole fucking career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's he, including Halloween. Yeah, I think he had a rocky relationship with Kubrick. Although, to be fair, Kubrick didn't really work with a lot of the same actors twice. Yeah. He worked with some people a lot of times. There's that documentary about that one guy who was basically a glorified grip. <laughs> but but yeah, Kubrick, he, every movie he did was different. It was like different, different genre, different, different actors. Cast. Yeah. I mean, Kirk but... Douglas, you know, obviously did the Paths of Glory and then Spartacus, but they had that falling out on Spartacus. So that was like, well done with you yeah well that was still early in kubrick's career too that was before he started like really doing his shit yeah because the reason he started doing his shit <laughs> no more studio interference because like there's such a jump from spartacus to 2001 just in like production quality this is ridiculous yeah all right um we can start to wrap this up yeah we're to the big mission Doug is a natural, starts shooting all the anti-air missiles and all the other uh, enemy jets and all that shit. And then uh, Chappie gets shot down. Chappie! I wanted to bring this up. Uh, when they're planning their mission, I guess I never really thought about this before, but you know they're planning out all the logistics, how much fuel they need. Like, okay, we're going to get refueled here. And then kind of break off course or off of whatever the planned flight was. Mm -hmm. So this, like their flight's going to take dozens of hours. Right. Cause they're taking off from what California. Yeah. And they're going to the med. Yeah. Maybe not dozens, but at least over a dozen hours, probably. 
You're flying halfway across the world. So when you're in a fighter jet, how does that work? Do you just got to take a bunch of laxatives like the night before and just shit your brains out? Well, do you remember not... that astronaut lady that drew girl from Florida <laughs> used to use to, to kill her boyfriend? <laughs> the astronaut lady that ruined the ISS? You're talking about her? Diapers. She had diapers on. Yeah, I remember so that. she didn't have to stop. Well, do, do, no, there was, I know, I remember that story, but the recently wasn't there that lady that in the iss like she sabotaged it like she loosened some screws and shit and didn't she like spread her shit all over in the inside of the iss too i don't remember that in the movie she went... <laughs> <laughs> i'm just talking, talking about, about recently like over the past couple of years are you talking about ariana debose I don't know what her name Oscar, was oscar uh oscar winning actress <laughs> ariana debose <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> some lady in the last year or two she basically wrecked the iss or something up there she's like, rubbing her shit on the walls and well, that's un- what you get for letting women up there <laughs> god damn broads is going too far <laughs> unscrewing or like loosening screws and shit i don't know i don't recall that but it, it doesn't mean it didn't happen because she had some sort of a mental episode up there and she just lost it and she demanded to go back home and they're like you can't just go home <laughs> we don't have like you're shuttles. stuck up here another six nine months or so whatever whatever the next shuttle was gonna come up yeah and so to kind of protest that she started doing stuff like spreading her shit around the walls of the iss and <laughs> sabotaging it like loosening screws and so like they had to send a ship up to go get her because she was destroying everything. <laughs> I I honestly don't remember that. It was like That's... the Family Guy Margot Kidder joke or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Margot Kidder was like legitimately like crazy. Yeah, you shouldn't make fun of people who are actually like that. Well, take it up with Seth MacFarlane then. Although Margot Kidder kind of brought it upon herself, <laughs> not gonna lie. Her and Sean Young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Sean Young. She's still around, isn't she? Yeah. She was in Bone Tomahawk. Oh yeah. She had a bit part in there. Usually they don't let her on set. You know, watching Dune the other night, I was like, God, is that Sean Young? And then you know, because it's like she's in a dream or some shit basically early on. Or like I just see a glimpse of her. And then, like halfway through, she shows up. I'm like, "Oh, that is Sean Young." I was like, "Yeah, this is you know right after Blade Runner, I suppose this is right in you know her heyday, you know Stripes. This is after Stripes. This is before No Way Out. This is long before Batman Returns. It was, but there was some stuff on No Way Out. I think there was a snafu with her and Gene Hackman, but that's when like the the mental issue uh, allegations started." Now, it seems she's, like she, she was have, bipolar, wasn't she? I can't remember because now, like, there's been other things that have come to light, which I know I can't, I, I'm not an expert on it. I forget all the details, but it definitely seems like she probably should have been given more of a benefit of the doubt than Margot Kidder. Like, if she did that weird Catwoman shit with Burton, but it also seems like how many stories have you heard? Like the actor doing some weird or dumb shit to like get the role in some movie. Yeah. 
Whereas like dressing up like Catwoman and showing up to the director's house doesn't seem too crazy when you've heard all these other stories. But I'm not saying uh, Sean Young has been absolved of all of her mental issues or episodes, but it may have been a little overblown at the time. But yeah, I don't remember all the details, but it did That's... seem like there was maybe some some wiggle room or maybe she was too harshly judged. But I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened on that No Way Out set. Because you got to believe Gene Hackman, right? Hackman. He, he's a good guy. He wouldn't lie. Gene oh. Hackman's one of those guys who I, I never really liked him growing up, but I'm sure I appreciate his work more now. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap up the movie. They fly overseas. They get there. Uh, Chappie has given a, a series of tapes to play. Basically, in case of his demise, he was up all night recording tapes. <laughs> but yes, uh, him and Chappie engage the targets. They're blowing shit up. Things are going great. Master's father is brought up. You know, they're negotiating over the radio, like we're going to keep blowing shit up until we get my dad back. That type of a thing. Well, Chappie gets shot down pretty quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they do some damage and then he gets shot down. Yes. And then uh, Doug single-handedly takes out all the defenses at the airfield. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, yeah, he demands the release of his father, put him in a Jeep by himself, and let him drive to the north end of the airport. He keeps calling it an airport. It's a, it's a dirt landing strip with a small tower next to it. <laughs> it is not an airport. This is at best an airstrip. <laughs> they don't do it right away. So he, he says, if you don't do it, I'm going to bomb your biggest oil refinery, mm-hmm. which he, he does within seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no oil for you this year. Guess you'll be importing oil this year. <laughs> yeah. He's just like making jokes. Like, dude, your, your friend just got shot down. Your dad got shot down three days ago. He just, got shot on the well he's about I, I guess he's about to get shot on the runway yeah they uh they let him drive out there and there's a sniper there waiting for him to get out of the, the jeep and he shoots him immediately and so he get doug sees that his dad's been shot and he goes on this rampage starts shooting everything around the airfield the tower all the missile launchers all the other people around it jeeps and shit yeah. And then his dad's like, oh, by the way, I'm okay. <laughs> Went in and out. He, got, he just caught one in the shoulder. Just caught one in the shoulder. 80s trope. trope. Just caught one in the shoulder. Last action hero. It's not even a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding me, Slater? It's not even a flesh wound. The next thing was uh, foreshadowed in the uh, the preparation montage. Or maybe it was the discussion after the fact or whatever. They were going to cause this fire to surround the airfield. And it would give them five minutes of cover to go get his dad and take off and get out of there. Mm-hmm. And he pulls that off perfectly. They can't see him. He can't see them. But he, he brings his dad to safety. Because he's dug fucking masters, Brett. <laughs> oh, boy. And if you were six years old when you saw this, you would have believed in him too. I tell you, I wasn't, I wasn't like 
into planes and military shit when I was six years old. It was it really wasn't my thing. Yeah, I, like I said earlier, I don't I don't think this would even like registered with me. Like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> watch something else. Like I used to watch Top Gun all the time as a kid as well, but you know this one was you know, a kid was doing it. You know he could relate to it more. Yeah, and a, a soundtrack that was also good. So it was pretty comparable in that way as well. And especially with the give me some loving comes on at the end. Ooh, yeah. it's just <laughs> gets so hard as a seven year old boy watching that. <laughs> this is for you, Chappie. So exciting. On the edge of your seat, the dad was just shot. It's like, ooh, Doug's not going to take this lion down. No. And he doesn't. He goes on a rampage. He's ecstatic about it. It's like a video game. You completely destroy the enemy base. Yep. And then they're flying out of there. There's two MiGs come up. He shoots them down. And then he goes uh, one-on-one with Colonel Mustafa, we'll call him. I did want to mention um, (laughs) the targeting system for the guns seemed very inaccurate. Because it was like the same thing with missiles and guns. Every time yeah, it, he shot a missile or a gun, they did the same thing. He was waiting for the lock on and was like locked. Yeah. And then he was like, he would like shoot the guns and I'm like, that's, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, it was very cartoony. The physics. Like, these bullets are not laser guided. The, the missile. Yes. <laughs> but the bullets. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, uh, very cartoony how the physics worked with a lot of that stuff. There'd be the close-up shot of the the guns going off. Yeah, yeah. He shoots down Saddam Hussein. Well, does he does he shoot him down or there's uh No, yeah, he does shoot him down. You're right. And then a bunch of other yeah, more what MIGs he thinks come. are MIGs come up, but then it was uh, or, or no, there's two more MIGs and then there's four U.S planes come in and intercept give them back up hey migs this is uh u.s uh military asking you to get out of our airspace roger blue leader got two bandits on my ass can you assist roger we're about to contact the aggressor and verify his intentions attention unidentified aircraft this is major dwight smiley of the united states air force you are following one of our f-16s in international airspace do you wish to engage? I didn't think so. Sir, the MiGs do not wish to engage at this time. Were you able to retrieve Colonel Masters? He's right here with me, Major. Congratulations. Welcome home, Colonel. We were worried sick about you ever since we got the mayday from Colonel Sinclair. We thought you might have gone down with him. Did you find the wreckage, Major? Only parts of it, sir. Scattered all over the med. We have orders to escort you to Ramstein Air Force Base in West Germany. We have a fuel problem, Major. Well, don't worry about that. There's a fuel tanker standing by. Major, would it be okay if we flew the missing man formation for Colonel Sinclair? We're already in position, sir. And we'd be honored if you'd just ease up in front there and take the lead. Chappie wanted me to play this for you, Dad, as soon as we were safe. Good morning, Colonel Masters. This is Colonel Chappie Sinclair. Guess by now you're over the Mediterranean. Hope you feel good. You'll be home soon. Guess I don't have to tell you what kind of son you got. 
as I'm sure you already know. But I'm sure you'd like to know how he got over to you. That's kind of complicated. See, this kid comes up to me one day and tells me he's got a little problem. And could I help him? He was a cocky little guy. Kept telling me how good he could fly. God, he was recording all night, wasn't he? Just so many tapes. <laughs> so many hours of audio. And he knew just what was going to happen. He didn't have time to edit either, you know? He, he does it one take. Time. One take chappy. So they, they go back to Germany, and uh, they're in front of the, the tribunal or whatever, and he find out Chappie survived. Yeah. You know, I thought you died over the bed. Oh, I had a swivel a long ways, but, you know, I got there. Or <laughs> whatever he says, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he ejected or what, but he just survived the crash. It was like the end of Dark Knight Rises. Yes, drop the nuke out there, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I can get back before the you know the thing explodes. And so they all think they're gonna get ejected. The yeah, they they all think they're gonna get the book thrown at them. Uh, but the the whatever the panel of officers offer to let them go as long as they stay silent about the uh, incidents. Except Chappie says, this motherfucker can't stay silent about shit. Mm -hmm. I suggest you put him in the Air Force Academy. Wink, wink. And so they do that. Mm -hmm. so they put him in the Air Force Academy, which he had already been denied for earlier. Yep. And then they go home to a, a sea of welcoming people. Because mm -hmm. apparently it was on the news or something. I don't know. Yep. A sea of people, a sea of... Well wishers and a nice voiceover. Yes, which is the last clip. Of it. As it ends the movie. This aircraft, by special order of the President of the United States, has just arrived from Ramstein Air Force Base in West Germany, where Colonel Ted Masters has been recovering from the rescue operation which freed him from his captors just three days ago. As we reported earlier, the Air Force sent a squadron of F-16s to mount a crippling attack on hostile forces. The operation resulted in no American losses. Enemy casualties were termed as minor. In fact, the details of the entire mission have been strictly classified by the State Department. Colonel Masters is followed here by Air Force Reserve Colonel Charles Sinclair. Sources close to the Air Force have uncovered a rumor that Colonel Sinclair aided in the planning of the rescue attempt. However, we've done some investigating on our own locally and find this to be highly unlikely. The young man who has just come out is Colonel Master's son, Doug, who flew over to accompany his father home. And as you can see, he seems to have quite a following here. Incidentally, we've been told Doug has received an appointment to the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs this fall, where he'll be following in his father's footsteps and taking orders from the Air Force. Apparently, he's quite a capable young Cessna pilot. I'm sure he can't wait to experience the thrill of flying some of the more advanced Air Force jets. Reporting live for Channel 6, this is Jeff Tamblin. Back to you in the studio. Hey! You did it, man! Is there anything else you want to discuss before we rate this? There are only minor enemy casualties. <laughs> I call bullshit. I call bullshit. So you you had a problem. A lot of people. You had a problem with the the moral compass of this film. Is that what you're telling me earlier? I I was uh, I had mixed feelings 
at how excited this young man was at blowing shit up and killing people. I thought he should have, uh, why well, I, I thought the situation was treated very, uh, lightheartedly for how serious it actually was. And, uh, I, I, admittedly it's a kid's movie. Sure. But, uh, Exactly. Dude. It it kind of reminded me of Kick Ass, where it's like you got these little kids just murdering people and then just like cracking one liners. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? This makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like these these kids are not mature enough to handle this. <laughs> but I don't know. It, 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 that's just me, I guess. Yes, it is just you, Brett. Everyone else, you know, consider the context of the time it was released and. Uh, genre of film they were watching kids action although as you, as you noted it is uh it was a lot more common back then to have movies like this yeah it's like you got little kids like it's only two years after red dawn not necessarily little kids but yeah but you, you younger teenagers and, and whatnot and going around and just having to pick up arms and defend what's right you got to pick up the pieces Darn adults aren't going to do anything. Let's rate it. What say you, Brett? What would you give Iron Eagle with our rating system and uh, your letterboxed score, please? I uh, I gave it a two and a half out of five on letterboxed, and I would give it a last resort. That's a last resort. I gave it a three and a half on letterboxed. Very solid eventually eventually have a great time watching this i watched that uh the spencer davis group gave me some love and scene i watched that like five times <laughs> really brought back some great memories with steve winwood on vocals i i know because <laughs> i i found that out i started laughing because it was just thinking of always sunny but <laughs> steve winwood <laughs> but he joins i think it's the spin class and he's like yeah put it steve winwood <laughs> just kind of commandeers the music for the class but i don't know i don't know if this is still a thing but like when i was a kid it was like there were certain artists that would come up on the radio and it's like that's a black guy i think no that's steve woodwood or no that's michael mcdonald (laughs) (laughs) people people would argue like yo it's like that that that's a that's a black singer. It's like no, no, it's a white guy. Yeah. In fact, like when I worked at JC Penny, I remember one time a, a kid I worked with wanted to bet me that this Michael McDonald song that was playing over the the PA system at JC Penny was uh sung by a black man. <laughs> I said, I will take that bet every day because Michael McDonald is white. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't think that happens anymore. Nobody, nobody cares. Yeah, what color the singer is? Yeah, it's, every singer is a celebrity now. Everybody knows what they look like. Well, everybody sings alike too. Like all the all the white people try to sound black, anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into some fun facts. Hey, everybody! Here's some fun facts. The character of Colonel Charles Chappie Sinclair was inspired by the real-life U.S. Air Force General Daniel Chappie James Jr. General Chappie James was a member of the famed all-black Tuskegee Airmen and also flew fighter jets in the Korean War and the Vietnam War. 
He later became the first black four-star general in U.S. history. As opposed to in this movie where he got demoted. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. Film was uh, originally called Junior Eagle. Ugh. Obvious upgrade to Iron Eagle. Here's a fun fact. Title song was performed by the band King Cobra. The music video featured Chappie training members of the band for a mission. The band broke up a few years later. Lead singer Mark Free came out as trans woman in the mid-90s and now records music as Marcy Free. Not to be confused with Mickey Free, <laughs> as Charlie Murphy told us about, which was a similar situation because <laughs> Mickey Free looked like a woman. Mickey Just Free like was a girl. A man. <laughs> Man, you see that new that new chick in the revolution? Mickey Charlamagne. Free? The only, the only was Mickey Free was a man. <laughs> That's right, Charlemagne. <laughs> oh my god! Now uh, uh, I mentioned Stan Switek's YouTube earlier. He does have a music video uh, edited with uh, um, Iron Eagle, uh, King Cobra. It's pretty cool. He also mentioned something on Twitter about he has a a fan edit of the edit of the film that cuts out all the kitty bullshit. <laughs> I said he said he dropboxed it to me, and you know I would be interested in seeing it, but I did say like, well, I still do kind of like all the kitty shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would be interesting to see. Maybe that would be like I don't know. Brad probably give it four stars then. Kid aspect Maybe. to be well, taken out. Well, I don't know. You, you could take out Doug. Well, you would probably just see Doug as a, a young trainee or fighter pilot. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see him. And you know, all him and all his friends—they just look like FFA members with their fucking jackets running around. You know, they, they really seem like they're teenagers. Or if you just saw Doug Masters by himself, you know, he's kind of well built for his age and comes off as somebody who could be 18, 19, 20. Well, I, I mean, he is graduating. You know, this is the prom night. Yeah. But I don't know. He's also a terrible actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. He isn't, he isn't is that, that bad. He's not a fan of the, the lead. <laughs> we'll say that. Here's another fun fact. In some scenes, some of the ordinance carried on the F-16s was real rather than props. At one point during filming, the Israeli Air Force was called upon to carry out a strike against terrorist targets in Lebanon. A ground controller saw a pair of IAF F-16s already in the air with required loadout and vectored them towards the target. They were halfway to the target when somebody realized the aircraft that had been ordered to attack were attached to the film shoot and that the planes were emblazoned with American markings and insignia. They were recalled from the strike in time to avoid an international incident. <laughs> Jesus. I uh, I take you you've never watched Cobra Kai, have you? The TV series, no. Well, this movie is Johnny Lawrence of Cobra Kai and Karate Kid's favorite uh, movie, and he is featured watching it on several episodes of Cobra Kai. I forgot about hmm. that. He's watching this. Here's another fun fact. So the film was originally intended to be released in the summer of 86, but it was pushed up to January to avoid competition and confusion with Top Gun. Here's a fun fact. All of the fighter aircraft used were Israeli Air Force aircraft, repainted with the U.S. Air Force symbol and a fictitious enemy symbol. Although I think there was a couple of bloopers, one or two shots where you can see Israeli markings on the undersides of the plane or whatnot, but... 
according to the DVD liner notes, the U.S. Air Force was going to consult on this film until they realized that a major part of the plot hinged on Doug and his friends hacking into the base computers, stealing equipment, etc. They didn't like the idea of the ease with which they had control of the base. Hmm. Here's one for all the uh, music aficionados out there. The song featured during the Canyon Chase was performed by artist Rainy Haynes, old enough to rock and roll, never appeared on the official soundtrack released for Iron Eagle. Many years later, Haynes found the old master, not masters, the old master tapes for her sessions in a closet in her home, had them remixed and released a limited number of signed copies of the track on CD via her personal website. So uh, there's some CDs with that track laying around out there. Probably get some on eBay. Personally, you know, something like that gives me hope that one of these days I'm going to finally going to get a copy of Body Talk from Toxic Avenger on some sort of <laughs> CD or digital download. Like, that's all I want. Did they have that through trauma? I forget. Not that I've seen. Or is it like everything but that one? Something like that. Because I think we talked about it with Zolly, right? Uh, I don't remember. I, I know it came up when we did the episode on Toxic Avenger. But I don't, re- I mean, that was years ago. Every once in a while, I'll search your body talk and I never find it on iTunes or what have you. Did that new Toxic Avenger come out? Not yet. Not that I know of. So this must come out last year, I thought. You know, the one where everybody's under four feet tall in the in the cast. I think we, uh, we met in the middle here on the uh, yeah. trip. Yeah. All right. Well, Britt, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can support the show financially with some killer merch head on over to wtm watch this movie.creator-spring.com that's right you can also follow us on twitter at or or x i should say at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively wolf one which is also his letterbox profile mine is under eric underscore molder please be sure to rate and review on every app that you listen to this podcast through that would be a great help to us other than that we will check you later guess we'll see you around all right check you later bye wait man why are you always such a dork man what are you talking about check you later check you later (laughs) hey man you're off my case i switched frequencies over Flying, it'll eat up your fuel. Sorry, sir. I was just getting used to the throttle. It's a little touchy. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not in a cockpit with you. I show you touchy.